Oh, hey guys, it's time for announcements here at the church uh, at my desk. So excited you could join me here for church announcements. Hey, coming up May 16th, uh, our next women's Bible study will be starting. Uh, they meet on Tuesday evenings in the Jonah Room. Uh, this is going to be a six-week course starting on May 16th called Extravagant Hope. You can sign up for that on the app and the website, ladies, so do that. Also, our chosen group that meets, and they watch The, the Chosen, and they, they talk about it. They do a study on that. That is resuming again this Thursday here at the church at 6.30 p.m. They had to take a break last week, but they'll be meeting uh, for that as well this Thursday. And our next jam night is going to be May 24th. That's one of my favorite nights here. Uh, we, we have some worship songs ready to go, and uh, we like to invite all of our musicians and vocalists to come in, and you're welcome to join us. Uh, we even have a lot of folks who just like to come and listen. That's all good, too. So uh, that'll be May 24th, 6.30 p.m. You can access the chord charts for our jam night on the app as well as a download. Also, another important announcement, our VBS, our summer VBS, that we can sign up and register for that. Uh, it's for kids ages 3 to 11. We'll do three days, uh, June 13th, 14th, and 15th. You can sign up uh, on the app as well. You can get your kids logged in. And also, we're asking, if you can, would you please consider volunteering for that? As well, you can sign up to volunteer on the app. We always have a great time with the kids. It is so much fun. We have some new games planned this year, and we'll have some great snacks. And there's always great music, and, and the kids learn a lot about the Bible. It's very Bible-focused. So sign your kids up for that today, and, you know, take them to VBS next month. It's great stuff. And uh, we'll have some other stuff coming up soon. But for now, I think we just have to get ready for church. So here we go. Let's get ready for church. Woo! Hey everybody, online, welcome to the Vineyard. We're getting ready to hop in, and uh, we've been having a great morning. It's glad that you could be with us uh, after worship today. We'll be back into our series, The Questions Jesus Asked, and we are going to look at a question in Mark chapter uh, 4 about uh, in the parable of the sower, sower, where he says, don't you understand these things? So get your Bible, get ready. Here we go. <laughs> Whoop, there it is. Oh, he wanted you to, he wanted your face in the light instead of your feet in the light. I don't know. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. I'm just here to say hi. Um, it's good to see you all. Looking forward to spending time with you in worship and in the word. I'm so glad you made it. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do in case you don't know the flow yet. We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship, and then Pastor Georgina will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We will dismiss them all to their Sunday school classrooms, and then we will have our time in the Word with Pastor Steve. We are in the questions Jesus asked, part 18, and uh, we're wrapping things up. It's really good. Looking forward to you all diving in. Before we do any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we thank you for your presence with us this morning and for the privilege of gathering together with our brothers and sisters to celebrate and worship you. Papa, we thank you for stirring up new things inside of us. 
we ask that you would continue to shape our hearts to love like your heart, Papa. So that we can love one more lost kid back to you. You're so good to us and we love you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty God, you alone can order the unruly wills and passions of sinful people. Grant that your people may love what you command and desire what you promise. So that among the many and varied changes of this world, our hearts may be firmly established where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again. And we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion. The bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit... Please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to start our time of worship here. And I always like to encourage us all to sing out and to lift our voices as we praise the Lord today. We'll see the words on the screen so you can sing along. You're welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine.
walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold
We look full in your wonderful face. I see the keys in your eyes. <laughs> I see the keys in your eyes. We are the apple of your eye. Open our eyes to see your face this morning. Whatever you want to, yeah. I will make. 
thankful for this time of worship in your presence. And Father, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us. Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them, oh God. You are so good, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. 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 And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Good morning, boys and girls. Okay. I can't wait to tell you today's story. It's an amazing one with an amazing message. And you're going to hear and you get to tell me whether people were glad or sad about this message, okay? So we are talking about, talking about, well, one of the chapters in the book of Luke that's in our New Testament of our Bible, right? And Jesus has gone to the town of Nazareth. Can you say Nazareth? Yeah. 
Nazareth. Good job. And he went there because he used to live there when he was your age. Yeah, Jesus lived there. And he went around and he told everyone about God. He taught them. And on a Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. The synagogue is a place where people went to pray, to worship God, and to read scriptures. Can you? Yes, it's church, Natalie. Good job. Can you say scriptures? Scriptures. Good. And that means the word of God, right? So Jesus got up and he opened up a scroll like this and he read from the book of Isaiah that was written a long time ago. And he said, the Lord has, wait, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news. He has sent me to set the captives free, to give sight to the blind and to set the people free who have been hurt badly. And he said, guess what? He said, he announced that God's kindness was upon us now. And he, then he sat down, rolled this back up, right? And the people were all staring at him. They were amazed and they were wondering what he would say next. And back then, they weren't written on books. They had to be written on a scroll. Thank you. Yes, they had to be written on a scroll. Thank you. And the scroll that we're talking about now is from Luke 4.21. And Jesus said this. What you have just heard me read has come true today. And the people were, many of the people were so happy because the words that God said were wonderful, right? But he also knew that not everyone in the town of Nazareth would accept him. He said, a prophet is not accepted in his own hometown. And Jesus reminded the people the many times the prophets had helped people who were not Jewish. When Jesus was done, the people became very angry. Very, very angry. And they wanted him to leave Nazareth. What did they want him to leave, guys? Nazareth. Good job. Yeah, Nazareth, right? I know. And they wanted to hurt Jesus. But guess what? Jesus walked away and nothing happened to Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah that God had promised his people. Isn't that amazing? Jesus would tell people the good news and would help people who had been hurt. Isn't that wonderful, guys? Yes, many people even today reject Jesus, right? But the question that is very important that you can answer is, will you welcome Jesus? Will you welcome Jesus, right? Yeah, very important. And I hope that you say, yes, I will welcome Jesus, right? Cool, awesome. Are you ready to say the Bible verse with me? Okay, repeat after me. Luke 4, 21. Luke 4, 21. Good job. Then Jesus said to them, what you have just heard me read, Has come true today. Excellent job, everyone. Good job.
The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Pastor Georgina will pray for them and then we'll send them off to Children's Church. Hi guys, we're going to pray now, okay? So remember what we do? We bow our heads. Here you go, big guy. Here you go. Can you come and get it? Thank you. Okay, let's bow our heads and... Okay, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to pray, Natalie. Can you show everyone what we do? Okay, everybody, look at Natalie. We bow our heads and we close our eyes and we think about the Lord who made everything. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for our children, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that they have heard the truth, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that they would walk in it. In Jesus' name, what do we say, guys? Amen. Amen. All right. Have fun at Children's Church, kids. Listen, obey, learn. Have fun. Be cute. There are some cute kids in here. Yes. Some are our grandkids, yeah. Welcome to the vineyard. So glad to have you with us this morning. Welcome to those of you joining us online. Happy you're here as well. And uh, if you're a first-time guest or visitor, that code that just popped up there, that QR code is for you. Point your smart device at it with the camera on. You will get a link to our digital connect card, name, phone number, email address. We'd love to have that information. We'll send you texts and emails for five or six weeks uh, at a pretty regular pace, and then they'll it'll dwindle. So, uh, so yeah, that's great. Also... Gifts for first-time guests back at guest services. If you didn't get one on the way in, make sure you stop by and pick up one on your way out. When we gather corporately, we pray for our neighbors. This is to reinforce something I'm asking you to do every day. Pray for the people who live around you. It's, uh, I, I believe it's probably the most impactful, most powerful ministry that all of us will ever engage in. We should all be engaged in it. And I hear great reports about what's going on as you do that. So just keep praying for the people who live around you. Think about a couple of them right now, if you would, and let's go to the Lord. Papa, we, we lift up our neighbors to you, God. We ask that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you. Help us, God, to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Keep it up. Good stuff. Great ministry for all of us. We are in part 18 of the series we're doing called The Questions Jesus Asked. We'll wrap this one up next week. Uh, We're going to start a brand new one. The following week, uh, and we're calling it uh, Sword Sharpening. So we know where we're going. It's going to be about how to tie things together in the Bible, sort of the what, how, when, who, why, where. There's two flies up here now. I see that, yeah. Let's try to ignore them. Well, I, Just be cool. Last night we had one fly, Just and I had to make a point because it was, <laughs> it was demonic in nature. It's, <laughs> it's a test. And then uh, now he's got a buddy. I don't know. Yeah, well, they tend to do that. All right, keep going. But yes, but anyway. so, yeah, Just not a problem. Um, it. It, this series has been about 
questions. Jesus asks questions. That's how he teaches. Over 300 in the Gospels. We've encouraged you to read through the Gospels over this 20-week period. Uh, this will be the last chunk if you've been following along. So you need to read this week Mark uh, 12 through 16. And then that will have brought you through the Gospel. You're looking for 14 questions. And uh, hopefully you've been making a note. If not, there's links on the website to all of the questions in all four Gospels. Mm-hmm that you can download and get to. We'll be in Mark 4, talking about the parable of the sower and looking at a question he asked, don't you understand this parable? So I think we're going to have some fun as we go there. I had an issue with my glasses this week, and I had to go and get them fixed. Do you know who I bumped into on the way to do that? Everybody. There you go. I didn't... I you, gave it away at eight. She did it at eight. She answered it. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. So punch mm-hmm. like, Sorry. I, I know a guy who keeps stealing iPhones. Yeah. At some point, he's going to FaceTime. Exactly. FaceTime. Hey, do you remember, this is, I think you were still a youth pastor back then. Oh, my goodness. When you did the sermon about the butter knife. I do remember you, the butter knife sermon. Are you going to bring that up in your I, new sermon? Well, now I, but yes. Uh. <laughs> now you have to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very, my second sermon ever. I, comp- yeah. I said that we're supposed to have a sword of the Spirit, but most people have a butter knife. <laughs> butter knife is better than nothing. It cute. <laughs> and he paced. But I was really, I was young and, you know, it oh. was much different. We Go. survived, right? Pray for us, please. We survived the flies. We, I think they're mosquitoes, actually, but yeah. either way. Okay, let's pivot a little bit here. Take a breath, press into Papa, and then we'll read the word together. Lord, you're so good, and we are so grateful to bask in your presence during worship, Lord. In your presence, Father, there is the fullness of life. There is every good thing. There is no gift unavailable to us in your presence, your peace, your goodness, your kindness, Lord. There is clarity and provision in your presence, Papa. Whatever we have need of, Lord, you are there to meet it, and we thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? As Steve said, this is the parable of the sower out of the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some a 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. Okay, so, uh, 
This is a great parable. I want to just quickly sort of refresh everybody on parables. Uh, and we have looked at parables in this uh, message because they, they pop up in this series on questions. Uh, parables are another teaching tool that Jesus uses. And it's how he describes the kingdom of God is by using parables. And we've said this from the beginning. It's another review. When you see kingdom of God in the scripture, do not think it's a place because a lot of people go to, oh, they're talking about heaven. He's not. It's talking about the rule, the reign, the authority of God. It's God-godding, if you would. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And uh, it's just not what the people were expecting. And so he uses parables because parables invite the listener or the reader in to try and figure out what Jesus is talking about. Jesus rarely just gives us a lot of facts. He uses questions. He uses parables. And the design is that you have to kind of press in to figure it out. It's a way for you to have truth revealed to you by Holy Spirit. Because when you get that, that will stick with you. Okay? And so this is the way that he motivates us and moves us into these things. So he he teaches in parables. Uh, the kingdom of God dynamic that we have to understand, you've heard me talk about it, is, is about the now and the not yet. Uh, I, I say it that way all the time. And we've, we've looked at this in depth in this series and many others. So the kingdom was inaugurated, the kingdom of God, the rule, the reign, the authority of God was inaugurated when Jesus came the first time and went to the cross. It will be consummated when he returns, that's what we're waiting for. Until then, we live in this in-between area, this tension. That's where we find life, between the now and the not yet. Another way that we've described that in other series is, I call it, we live in the overlap of heaven and earth. And, and that's apparent in the scriptures from back in creation at the Garden of Eden, when you have sort of a picture of a cosmic temple, and it was a very real place where heaven and earth met. And then the fall blew that up. But quickly in Exodus, we see God says, make me a tabernacle so that there's a place where I can be, my presence can be with you. And there was a very real presence of God, connection, heaven and earth connection in tabernacle that moved into the temple when the temple was built, was there until the people of Israel kind of went their own ways. And we can read in the scripture where the presence actually lifts and leaves. There's an exile. People are exiled. The temple is destroyed. Stays that way even though they come back until Jesus arrives on the scene. Says he's now the temple. And, and he's that picture of fully God, fully man, heaven and earth connection. He lives here, the perfect life we couldn't, goes to the cross, defeats death, deals with all that mess, rises again. When he does that, he sends Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit now, we know, dwells in us, right? As believers, we're the place where heaven and earth meet, inside of you. Heaven and earth connection right here. You're the temple now. It's a big deal. And we live in that tension. We live in that overlap. And we, if we, when we get that, things begin to open up for us in this Christian life, particularly the Bible and understanding it. Um, because without living in a tension, you'll always want to go to one extreme or the other. But this life in Christ is right here. It's in this overlap, this tension place, this now and not yet. Well, he's having to describe this to people uh, who are very focused on how they think things are going to be, not like any of us. And... Uh, the Bible, when we read the Bible, and this, the whole next series is going to be all about these sort of things, we have to understand that even though it's written for us, it wasn't written to us. It's written for us, but not to us. 
And it was written at a time when people had a different worldview and a different perspective. And the New Testament in particular was written at a time when um, the, the people of Israel were looking for a Messiah. They were in the right time frame. They knew he was supposed to show up. And their thoughts were that Messiah would do all these cool things, which he did, heal the sick and uh, the blind would see and the, the lame would walk. And Jesus is doing all those things. But their big thing was that he was going to restore them uh, to their former glory. Uh, and like King David's time. That's what Messiah was going to do. And anything short of that, they wouldn't listen to do, listen to it all. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, um, it's not the way you think it is. Jesus had to come the first time and deal with sin and death, which is what he does at the cross. He defeats the power of sin and the power of death. And he begins the process of everything being set right. We've looked at that. But until he returns, there's still this other stuff going on. There's still problems and issues and all those things. And we have to be aware of that so that we live this life out in this tension between the now and the not yet. And so he's trying to teach them in parables so they'll draw into that so they don't just shut everything off and miss what God is doing because they have a, a box they put around everything and these are the rules. Anything outside of that we're not even going to look at and they're going to miss Jesus and miss what God is doing if they stay that way. So he's trying to sort of break them up with the parables. We looked at a couple Back in Luke, very short, simple parables that say that. Uh, Luke 13, Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? What does it look like? What's the rule reign of God? What's God, 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 Godding look like? I doubled down and still got it wrong. What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. So it started, and it's going to become something else. And in the meantime, there are all these things happening. So the kingdom is here in part, but it will be fully here when he returns. He does another quick parable right after that, the parable of the yeast, Luke thirteen twenty. Again, he asks, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And so the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the reign of God is all about this transforming power that's here now because of what Jesus has done that's changing people and communities and will keep happening until he returns. So parables are a picture of what he's done, what he will do, and how that works together. And we find life there in it. Um, but all the while, you can look into those parables. People still have the right to reject all this stuff as well. That's part of the deal, okay? So they can either press in or they can reject it. Now, with that tension in mind, let's look at the parable of the sower. Because when we read this, if we're not sort of aware of what I said to you a little earlier, how the Bible was written uh, for us but not to us, we will go at it with our own 2023 perspective and we'll miss things. The hearers, the original hearers, they're going to hear Jesus bringing in the book of Isaiah, as you read because that's what he's going to do. And that begins to change things. So we have to sort of go, oh, there's more to this, and there's a reason for what's going on. And in the parable of the sower that Alice read you, what's happening is that God is sowing the kingdom in Jesus. That's this picture, all right? The kingdom's here, not fully here. His rule and reign is here. He's setting things right, but there's more to come, and we look forward to that. And, and we know that it's here because of the things that he's done and is doing and continues to do. But we also know there's more to come, and we live in that tension. Well, he's going to pull in Isaiah. Isaiah is a cool prophet. They're all cool prophets. Um, 
But in particular, Isaiah wrote a lot about new creation and about what's coming. And he does that in particular in chapters 40 to 55. So if you ever get a chance, you should read that. We've talked about that. Some really cool stuff there. But throughout his book, there'll be these things that are going to happen that he's writing about. And in in, uh, chapter 55, verse 8, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, uh, neither are your ways my ways, declares... That's pretty good stuff, right? I mean... We could, we could do a whole thing on that. Well, we could do a whole series on that. Um, uh, and as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. Remember the parable of the sower? He's using a lot of this language. They're going to make this immediate connection to Isaiah. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. And he's connecting their seed and word, so we need to hang on to that. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy, this is totally new creation, and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills were both burst into song before. I, I can hardly wait for that. And the trees clapping their hands. And you go, oh, that's all figure. You know, there's some... We're going to be surprised at new creation about how some of these things happen, all right? That's pretty cool stuff. All right. Uh, Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the murder will grow. That's a uh, promise of, you know, everything being the gardening stuff getting difficult and weeds happening where they shouldn't. New creation, not going to have to worry about that. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign. That will endure forever. That's what's coming. So make sure we have the connection here that... The seed is the word. Now, you know this because we've talked about this a lot. Uh, in many, many series, we'll get into John chapter 1 because, like everything else, it's one of my favorites. And uh, John chapter 1 is so amazing. You know, and it starts out, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. It goes on and on until it gets to about verse 14. And it says, the word became flesh and tabernacled made his dwelling among us. Heaven and earth connection, which I talked about. The, the word is a connection to Jesus, him coming, the kingdom, all those things are happening. And so when Isaiah is talking about how the word won't return void, it's this picture of the, the word's going to come it's in Jesus, it's the kingdom of God. All these things are synonymous as you read. And so uh, that's what is going on in this parable. God is sowing the kingdom. People are going to respond to it in different ways. And then he goes on to explain it. Uh, Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? And and fortunately, they don't say yes like they did before. And then he said, oh, if you got it, I don't need to explain it. They don't don't say anything. And he says, but if you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of them. Here's what happened. The farmer sows the word. The farmer sows the kingdoms being sown. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them, snatches the kingdom away. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. And, uh, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, 
and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So the, the thing here is, and we could describe all those, but we, we don't have time to this. The idea is that some people hear this thing, this message, the kingdom idea, understand that Jesus is coming and that he's coming back and that there's a tension involved and that uh, the, it may not be what they expect. That's what he's having to deal with because they're fixed on if you don't knock out the Romans, we're done. That's what they do. And he's saying, don't get caught there. You're going to miss what God is doing, which is what the, most of them miss, all right? Because they can't just sort of see it's bigger than what they've expected. And see, this whole full and abundant, fruitful lives. That's my hope for all of us, for all of you, that, that you get that because that's what Jesus wants you to have. The enemy doesn't. He wants to steal it away like in all those other things. But God wants you to have a full and abundant life in Jesus and part of that is getting a hold of what's happening here with the kingdom of God and what it means. It's here. Things are different. Things are changed. Everything is, is moving in that direction. It's not fully here yet. So there's still some mess that happens because people struggle with, well, if God is this, why is this mess happening? Well, God is is absolutely this. And I promise you, he's going to deal with everything when he comes back. And he already took care of it when he was here the first time at the cross. But the enemy still exists and is still calling problems. And it's, it's a mess. And people struggle with that. We go, well, if it's this, it can't be this. And it's yes, he's here. He's with us. He loves us. We get a taste of the banquet now. We just talked about that. The, it, it's not the... Look, sometime you're going to get to the banquet. And that's going to be like, Wow. You're not, we're not there yet, but we get taste of the banquet now, the writer of Hebrews says. And that's really good because that's better than no taste at all. That's the kingdom breaking through now and doing all sorts of things. That's what it's all about. So we live and we hang on to this tension and we begin to experience life there. And so we have all these cool things happening, right? Well, he's been bringing in Isaiah and it's so interesting to, to get them going. And what's going on in this parable that we need to know so that everything opens up? Uh, and so here's what happens now. Um, this is after he tells the parable and before he explains it, he says, he explains it. He says this. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. And it has. It's been given to you. What is it? I just told you what it is. It's here, but not fully here. That's the secret. That unlocks everything when you get a hold of it. It's been given to you. But to those who won't hear that, to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, and they can't figure them out. They may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How will you understand any parable? So the kingdom, you've, you've got the secret now. You know it. If you hadn't heard it before, you've heard it now. The kingdom is here. In Jesus, he's inaugurated it. Not fully here. He's coming back and he'll consummate it then. But things are different. But people that can't hear that, everything sort of stays in a parable to them. They never figure it out. It, it never goes, oh, there's never those moments where they go, oh, because... Uh, I remember reading this many times before I made some of these connections. And it used to sound like to me that God didn't want people to hear and understand. And like, like he was, it was the opposite. When in fact, what he's saying is, this is what he wants so much. But if you can't quit being stuck in one way of looking at things and not realize that your ways are not his ways and that your thoughts are not his thoughts and that it's much bigger than you ever thought. If you can't sort of open up to see what's really going on, you miss it. You miss God Godding. You miss all the cool stuff. Because you're, you're, it's gotta be this or it's gotta be this. When it's like, it's like never that or that. <laughs> it's always in here where the life is. And that's what we gotta understand. 
So he's trying to teach them, and he's, he's drawing in this passage in Isaiah 6. So bear with me five minutes, but it's going to be worth it. I need more coffee. Isaiah 6 is one of those really cool passages. And it gets read a lot in church. But they usually cut it off a couple of verses short of what they need to read. And, and that's where the connection to the parable is. Because Jesus is quoting Isaiah in a lot of this stuff, all right? And his hearers know that. So in Isaiah 6, 1, it's in the presence of God. It's in the throne room. Isaiah is, boom, taken up. And it really grabs his attention. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. He's got this vision happening. It's like, woo, he's there, right? And above him were seraphim. And seraphim are beings in the throne room, um, types of angels, but these have wings. We've had discussions about all that. But anyway, with two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. So six wings at least, right? So try and you know, start wrapping your head around what Isaiah is seeing. There's the Lord on the throne, and here's these winged beings hanging around. And uh, they're calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, calling to one another, I, I see that this way, is that one of these six-winged beings is there hovering, right? And, and he's saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the other one is responding, the whole earth is full of his glory. And this is going back and forth and back and forth. And it's like, not like they're doing it quietly, because at the sound of their voices, it says, the doorposts and the threshold, uh, everything is shaking, and the temple's filled with smoke. Get the picture of what's happening. It's so important that you'll use your holy imaginations. And, and Isaiah is overwhelmed. He says, whoa, woe is me, because he knows he shouldn't be here, right? He, he says, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And that was a big problem in and of itself. And one of the seraphs flew to him uh, and said, with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. So that's generally where people stop reading this passage. And Isaiah's caught up, man. He's, he's there, and it's a picture of Jesus coming, that whole, your, your sin taken away, your guilt atoned for. That's just a picture of what Jesus is going to do. And the, the voice is, you know, this is so cool. Who's going to go and tell people? And, and most of the time when that's read in church, you're like, yes, they're all excited. Yes, send me. Well, you should read 9 and 10 first. <laughs> because there's this little thing, you know. And, and here's, here's what happens. Uh, the Lord says to Isaiah, go and tell this people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their eyes, ears dull, and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now, that's not a very easy message. Isaiah's all pumped up in the throne room, right? He's already said, send me, before he got the message. And now he's like, hmm, is there a different message? (laughs) Wait, I said, here I am, because it was the whole seraphim thing kind of threw me for a loop, because I would, let, I would have said yes to anything at that moment. <laughs> Is this the message? And he goes, that's a tough message, God. I don't, what do you mean? They, they, they need to see this. Why, why aren't you doing this? It doesn't sound very evangelistic at all. Well, I wish I hadn't signed up. Well, how long am I going to have to do this? That's what he says. Okay, fine. Listen to this. How long, Lord? 
It wasn't a great question. And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they're cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. He's making some incredible connections here. What he's saying to Isaiah is, at that point in time, look, an exile is going to happen. This thing gets worse before it gets better. And it's going to be like a wasteland. That's what's coming up. And these people are refusing to buy into what's really going on so that they could change and be healed, that they could turn, they could repent, they could come back to me, but they continue to refuse to do that. They want to go their own way and don't think there's going to be any consequence that you need to tell them there is. However, after all of that, there's still going to be a stump in the land, the holy seed that we've been talking about. Look, he ties another connection, Isaiah 11.1. 1. You miss these things if you're not watching them come together. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Remember, that's Jesus. We've talked about Jesse and David, the grand, great-grandfather. Look, you know that. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The picture is that Jesus is coming. This is the hope. All that stuff happened. Everything there happened, and Jesus came. That also happened, and people need to connect with that's the way for life. It's Jesus. It's making that connection to Jesus. It wasn't what they expected. They wanted a deliverer who was going to turn everything back to the way Israel was then. And when Jesus came and did everything else but that, they go, well, you don't fit this box that we have you in. And so we'll go, like we talked about last week, we're going to make plans to kill you. But see, the, the, the heart is is that that what we need to understand is that Jesus comes and people who get it, they have fruitful lives. The seed will bear fruit. And your fruitful life then attracts other people in, which is what we've been talking about all together. So all those things are happening in that verse. And that understanding of the kingdom of God opens up the scripture for you in ways that you may not have connected with yet. And this is my heart. We're going to build on that in the very next series. We're going to make some connections and just allow and ask God to open this up and that Holy Spirit will reveal to us things because as He reveals things, that's how we sort of remember them and find life. Okay, that's good enough. Some of these are hard to abruptly end, but I'm out of time. What are you going to do? It's like a cliffhanger for next week. Mark 10 next week. It's going to be good. Uh, Ministry team, those here, why don't you head over the wall? people on the way over their wall here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. Let me say this. Everything starts by knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Everything. That's when life starts. That's what it means to be uh, born again, if you would. People don't always like that language. But that's what it means. Spiritually born happens when you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Everybody needs that to happen. Everybody. And, and so he's invited us into a story. He's gone to the cross, done what we couldn't, defeated death, sin, made a way back for us to be reconciled. Our part is just to say yes. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, do it today. It's that, Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? And when you do that, things begin to change. Holy Spirit comes and things begin to happen in your life. It's the beginning of everything that really counts and matters. So if you've never done it, do it today. Amen. And our ministry team's over there waiting to pray for you. You know, some of you might, I think some of you today might feel a little stuck. And I felt like during worship at eight, and this is relevant for us today, is that the Lord 
is going to bring peace like a river. When you think about peace, you think about it, you know, green, green pastures and a little stream. But I saw the Lord just bringing peace like a flowing river into your life. So if you're stuck or going through something, go and get prayer because the Lord is here to meet your needs today. Amen. Amen. Good word. I like that a lot. Uh, like like the picture. Thank you, everybody, for your generosity. Your love partnering with you guys are amazing. Thank you for everything that you allow us to do here locally and globally. We appreciate all of it. Let's sing doxology so we can get you heading out. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. We'll see you soon. Have a great day and a great weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Be safe. Doors are open. Hey, everybody. Thanks for watching, and uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. We'll be in Mark 10 next week. The question is, what, what do you want me to do for you? It really ties back into the beginning, so that'll be fun. And, and uh, their daddy is preaching. Yep. Yeah, next weekend, Pastor Doug's up. Pastor Doug is up, the younger version of, of him, and this year, the younger version of Doug. Yes. <laughs> God bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye.